Thank you for listening to the Potter's House Tri-Cities Podcast, located here in Pasco, Washington, where lives are still being changed for Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoy it. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. During a time of great drought, um, the Scottish preacher, Dr. Guthrie, um, prayed for rain in the morning service. Um, you might have heard this um, illustration in the past. Um, as he went to church in the afternoon, his daughter Mary said, Here is the umbrella, um, Papa. What do we need it for? He asked. He said, You prayed for rain this morning. Don't you expect God will send it? So they carried the umbrella. And when they came home, they were glad to take shelter under it from the drenching storm. Now, this little girl here understood the power of prayer. This man did it, but this girl understood it. She said, you know what? You pray for rain, go get an umbrella. Whatever you ask God for, listen, God will provide for you. Amen? That's what our Bible says, right? But see, the problem that we see especially in our generation, is that people have allowed anxiety to rule over their life. I want to say something this morning. Don't let anxiety rule your life. You have a choice. You have a decision that you can make to step out of the anxieties of life. In everything, consult God and let Him direct your everyday life. See, who... Who knows what this man was was actually needing the water for? Maybe he was a farmer that that needed the uh, the rain. That at one point somewhere he was saying, "If I don't get rain anytime soon, then my life is going to be over, and my finances will have a drought. So I won't have enough for my family." But this little girl said, "You prayed, then expect it. Don't allow anxiety to rule over you." Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says it this way. You can say amen when you're there. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. I want to preach a sermon that I've entitled, What Prayer Can Do. What Prayer Can Do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, God, that you give us. God, to be here together. As your church, as your congregation, God, I do not come in my talents. I do not come in my abilities, God. I have full confidence, Lord, in your spirit, God, in your blood this morning. Father, and I hide behind your cross, and I pray that somewhere, God, this morning, this service, God, may encourage, inspire, God, or even ignite something in somebody, God, for them to pray, not only for their lives, but also, Lord, for the church and also for the lives of all the people in this world. We trust in you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. And the people of God said this morning, Amen. Amen. I want to start off with my first thought, and that is worrying about life. Anxiety in our generation is the new black. Everyone is experiencing it. Everybody has a sense of um, anxiety. And if you look at the stats and numbers, somewhere anxiety is what people constantly go through in the, the reality is that it is something that is very prevalent. This word anxious, by definition, is experiencing worry, unease, or nervousness, typically about an imminent event 
or something with an uncertain outcome. For example, she was extremely anxious about her exams. She was extremely anxious about those results and all these things. Listen, mentally, stress can cause anxiety and depression. Physically, it leads to heart disease, cancer, arthritis, life-threatening problems, ulcers, drug and alcohol abuse, and so on, all these different things. Stress can lead to domestic violence. You see it many times. Stress can lead to divorce. It even leads to homicide or suicide. It says that 25 million Americans have high blood pressure. One million more develop high blood pressure each year. Eight million people have stomach ulcers. Twelve million are estimated to be alcoholic. Twelve million. And 230 million prescriptions are filled for tranquilizers annually. Anxiety and stress it has become such a seriously serious problem that experts say that coping with stress is the number one health priority starting from the 1990s. You know what else started in the 1990s? The internet. We are living in a time where we are bombarded with information. And I understand it's healthy to educate yourself. You know, it's healthy to, to stay relevant and, and read the news every morning. I wake up and I read several newspapers and several um, articles and because I want to stay uh, informed and I want to know what's happening. But there's certain things that I stay away from. One of them is celebrity gossip. And I see, unless it's in the front of the, the front paper, I don't go looking for it. I don't read People magazine, man. I'm not a suburban white girl. <laughs> I might get in trouble for that. <laughs> see, it's healthy to educate yourself and not be involved in all the gossip and all the issues of this world. What happens is it creates a false sense of acceptance, a false sense of involvement somewhere. You think you're somebody in life because you know what Kim Kardashian is doing. Somewhere you, you feel like you're somebody because you keep up with some, some of these the, the music and you keep up with the trends and all these things. And the reality is that we're living in a time where we feel the pressure of being successful in the eyes of the world. You know, at one point it was acceptable for a man to graduate high school at 18 years old to leave his home. Not necessarily go to college, but go find something to do that's going to make him money and have a family. Amen. Now, if you don't go to college, you get an education, you're nobody. Amen. Which is not true. Amen. We find ourselves wasting time trying to please people. Listen, this morning, don't waste your time trying to please people. Amen. Don't waste your time trying to be somebody in the eyes of, of your families and your, and, and your friends somewhere. We, a lot of times we feel that pressure that we have to do something because I'm, I'm going to be a disgrace to my family or, or I'm going to, you know what, they're going to speak about me. I was, um, I was speaking to one of my family members and I, I made it clear to them. I said, I'm not going to be like everybody else. You're not going to see me with a, a two, three-story house and these luxurious vehicles because my mind is somewhere else. Amen. Don't worry about what your family is going to say. Worry about what God has to say. Amen. The reality is all these different things cause anxiety. You see kids staying up late at night trying to, trying to just study. 
And he's like, oh, maybe you don't really see that. <laughs> but you see these college kids, you know, just trying to make ends meet. And, you know, they're, they're just there and they're anxious about things. And, and uh, you know, they're wasting time and all these, all these other different things. And somewhere they feel the pressure of being somebody. You know, one of the nations, if, 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 if it's one of them, if not, it might be the one, the first one. Um, well, the highest suicide rate is the Japanese. And somewhere the idea is that they work so much. They work, they, they're constantly working and trying to, trying to make money and it's so expensive. And, and if they don't work and if they don't study, then their parents would disown them. And somewhere the anxieties of life many times causes them to, this is why I see plenty of celebrities who make it successful. And somewhere these musicians, you know, they, they have the fans and they have the groupies and they have the drugs and they have all these things that somewhere in their mind they thought was going to do it for them. They get to their destination where they think they should be, but somewhere they've understood very quickly it does not fill me. Now they have everything, but they have nothing. It's an anxiety many times is very spiritual. Sometimes it's just worrying. Sometimes your girls, listen, you just don't worry, amen? There's certain things that you just don't have to simply listen. God will work it out. Come on. <clears throat> but my goal this morning is not to give you that sermon. I don't want to just say, don't worry. I kind of want to break it down and give you some insight and try to give you some practical steps to try to fix this, this deal. I mean, if you guys don't want to worry anymore, if you guys want to stop the anxiety in your life, Many times anxiety is spiritual. And like I've said before, spiritual issues need spiritual solutions. Yeah. I'm going to repeat that one more time. Spiritual issues Amen. need spiritual solutions. They need Amen. spiritual help. Amen. You cannot fix your anxiety with a hammer. Amen. You can't fix your anxiety with alcohol and drugs. There are times where the issues go beyond anything we can do. There are times where the issues of our life are way over our head and somewhere we need God to come through for us. There needs to be spiritual involvement. Let's open our Bibles the book of Mark chapter 9 verse 29. Mark chapter 9 verse 29. You can say amen over there. Mark 9 say this this morning, when it is over our head, it is at the feet of God. When it is over our head, Christian, it's at the feet of God. There's nothing that's going to be go over God's head. God can help you. Mark 9, 29, you can say amen when you're there. Amen. And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Some of you guys say fasting and praying. Amen. The idea behind this is that somewhere... You, you give yourself up to the, your, your relationship with God, and God begins to heal some of these anxieties and some of this worry. You don't believe it? Listen, it's in the Bible. Amen. And if you've been saved for any, any time, you understand this very clearly, that when life gets crazy and when the life gets hard, you can run to God, you can run to the feet of God, and God will give you peace. Amen. And many times what happens is that as Christians or as people, we get to a place that we go through hard times and it gets crazy and we go into this shock mode and we stay right there. You know, Churchill says when you're going through hell, just keep on going. Amen. Our Bible tells us we can ask God to get involved in our lives. First John 5.15 And if we know that he hears us and whatever we ask, 
we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Mark chapter 11, verse 24 says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. There is a sense of expectancy. There is a sense of peace that I can run to my God and He isn't going to reject me. It's not like I'm looking for a loan. It's not like I'm going to go and fill out an application and there's certain requirements that I have to meet. But simply that I can run to my Father's arms and He's right there with His arms wide open and He accepts me with all my issues. Amen. This is why. Anxiety can be solved through your relationship with God. Amen. This is why, Christian, this morning, you sh when you come to a place of anxiety and worry, you can run to God, you can run to your prayer closet, you can turn on some worship music and begin to speak to God and begin to ask questions and seek clarity. And, and, and in some way, you can expect that God will begin to give you some of these things, the peace, the joy, the clarity. He can fill that void that nobody else can fill. And I'll tell you somewhere, it's, a, it's amazing. Uh, uh, I believe it's um, the right side of history by, by um, Ben Shapiro says that, that um, America has a God-shaped hole that's missing. Can I tell you that every human has a God-shaped hole Amen. and nothing else? You ever, you ever play with those toys, the kid toys, where you try to, try to fit a triangle in a square? <laughs> you always see the kid that grabs a circle and won't fit. It's a triangle, you know. And for for, for grown-ups, you're like it's you gotta get the right shape. You know that's logic. And that's 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 very that should be the same type of logic that we should be thinking when it comes down to our spiritual life. Amen. If if I'm missing God, I'm not gonna be able to fulfill that with anything else. You're not going to be able to fulfill, uh, man, listen, you're not going to be able to fulfill your God-shaped hole in your heart with guns and, and hunting and sports and, and all these different women. You're not going to be able, and man isn't going to fill that. Amen. Money isn't going to fill that. Somewhere, listen, it is God who's going to fill that hole. Amen. He's going to give you that complete peace. Which takes me to my second thought, and that is that God's ability and desire to listen to our request is something that is very true. God not only has an ability, but has a desire to listen to you. You guys believe that this morning? Amen. That God isn't up there wearing beats. He's not up there with his noise cancellation headphones. Amen? Amen? He's up there wanting to listen to you. He's waiting for your words and he's waiting for your request and waiting for your issues and troubles because he somewhere he glories or he find some type of pleasure in the fact that He can be our God. That He can be our Father and solve our issues. It is like that little girl who can run to the hands of or arms of their father and their father begins to just, uh, just help them in life. And even when they're older, they can run to their father and begin to uh, just help them and soothe some of the pain that she's going through. We serve an omnibenevolent God. This word omnibenevolence is all loving or in, infinitely good. Usually is in reference to a deity or supernatural being. For example, our God. It is used often with regards to the divine, the you know, Holy Spirit and God, the, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. That somewhere he can he is all loving and infinitely good. That he doesn't desire the bad for you. That when you mess up in life, he doesn't say, you know what, they deserve 
what's wrong, but somewhere He wants to do something good for you. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell him that God loves you. Tell him. Not him. Wake him up. God loves you. You know, a mother was talking on the phone to a friend who asked for prayer. Her five-year-old granddaughter named Amy came bouncing into the room, stood still for a moment to listen, and heard her mother praying with her friend on the phone. And the little girl said, is that God on the phone? <laughs> she asked excitedly, she says, because I need to talk to him too. <laughs> see, when you see God as your father, you get excited to talk to him. Amen. When you have that relationship, you know, man, if you wake up in the morning, it's not, it's not a burden. You know God's going to meet with you. Man, you ever had that, that prayer meeting when you, you show up and you're, you're all messed up in the head? You know, you, you come to church and, or you come to a service or you wake up in prayer, you stop at night and you talk to God and somewhere you're like, man, I'm glad I did that. Because I was going to kill her. Because <laughs> I was going to do this. I, or I was gonna, I'm, I'm glad that God spoke to me. You ever, you ever had those services where you get up and you're like, man, I'm, I'm glad I came to church today. Amen. See, the power in prayer is not saying the correct set of words. We're not talking about no Santa Maria, Madre de Dios. That's not what we're talking about. Eh? We don't have any rosaries today. We don't have a formula. We're not going to give you a pamphlet and tell you this is what you have to say. The power of prayer is not saying the correct set of words. The power of prayer is in the simple fact that God is in heaven and he's listening to you and he wants the best for you. Amen. Open your Bible to the book of 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. First John chapter 5 this morning. You can say amen when you're there. First John chapter 5. Amen. amen. We start off in verse 14. It says, now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked them. That's our confidence right there. When we pray to God, when we pray for our service, or if you guys know we ask somebody to come and lead us before the throne, the idea is that somewhere we begin to cry out to God. Hey, you've been in conference whenever we do this. It says, okay, let's, let's, we're going to lead before the throne. We're going to ask Pastor so-and-so from so-and-so place. And immediately it says, let's pray. Boom, you hear everybody. Ah! <laughs> just, just praying, God, I pray. You know, bless my side. You know, they're they're out because somewhere, you know, they they. And somewhere, it almost seems like the louder you pray, the more God's gonna hear you. How <laughs> many you guys know that's not necessarily true? But how many you guys know sometimes there's something about you saying it. Amen. There's something about I believe in loud praying. This is why when I'm in prayer, you guys can hear me to a certain degree. I'm not the loudest prayer in the world, amen. But somewhere I believe that we can claim something that it does something to our mind, our own mind. That we can say, you know what, this is, I, I claim, God bless my church. That we can begin to pray for our families in our church. God, God bless the Orozco family. God bless the Jackson family. You begin to claim this. I claim the promises. And I believe that God can do these things. You begin to say them and begin to speak some life. How many of you guys know that there's power in your words? Amen. Confidence is that God can hear us. That we don't go unheard. That your pastor might not hear you, but God can hear you. That when you're in your home and you're by yourself, that you can cry out to God and God will hear you. 
guys ever pray by yourself at home? It's a lot more intimate, isn't it? Put on some worship music and begin to cry. <laughs> That's scared of running everywhere. Yeah. You always gotta walk up to a mirror and look at yourself. It's intimate. Same, same idea, whenever you have that, you know, your, your, your spouse, you can speak to them in, in the bedroom after the kids go to, they're all in the bed, and somewhere you can lay down and have those conversations and, and speak about these things, so there's, it's intimate. And our confidence is that God loves us and he's listening to us. Yeah. Another part of this confidence is that there's grace and mercy waiting for us. We guys know that God doesn't run out of mercy. Yeah. God doesn't just run out of grace. There's not like a grace meter in heaven. There's not, there's not just something up there that, that God just says, okay, you, this is your last grace card, so you can't you, you use it wisely. You know, like, no, God, God has infinite. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that God doesn't have the same boiling point as you? Yeah. Aren't you glad that somewhere God doesn't have the same, that same thing, the same buttons that push you? Or the same things, the same buttons that people can push on you? Aren't you glad you can't push God's buttons? <laughs> That's somewhere that, you know, yes, I understand you can cross some lines, and I understand that God, you know, He's a righteous God, and there's judgment, and, and He will bring accordingly the justice, that, the justice that needs to be brought. But the moment you bow your knee and you say, God, I seek your forgiveness with all of your heart, God, the Bible says that He is quick to pardon. Amen. This word grace, many times we use it, but we don't necessarily know what it is. The definition is unmerited favor from God. In other words, you don't deserve it. Man. It's not something that you do that, that God just says, okay, because you did this, then now I can give you grace. It is simply out of relationship. I want to tell you this morning, Christian, you don't have to worry about life. You don't have to worry about what God's going to do with your children. You don't have to worry about what God's going to do with your finances. Well, the only thing that you have to do is you have to release these things to God. Amen. That's hard. It's, it's, it's easier said than done. The fact that you can pray and say, God, I release my children to you. The fact that you can say, you know, our sister spoke about tithing. The fact that you can release finance and say, God, bless it. Because in our minds, you know, somewhere less money means less money. Amen. Amen. But in the mind of God, it says, if you're willing to release, then I can multiply. Amen. And these things are a lot harder and difficult, and I completely understand that. But that still doesn't take away the fact that we have to do them. Yeah. Which takes me to my third thought, and I want to finish with this. I want to close with this, and that is a lifestyle of prayer is the key to spiritual issues. Church, Christian, this morning, disciple, listen, if you'll give yourself up to a lifestyle of prayer, God will, will set you free of your anxieties. Yeah. I believe this morning. I believe that in a group this, you know, in a, in a group this size, somewhere there's, there's anxieties running around. You begin to think of things that are happening in your life and you're anxious about them. Maybe you didn't have a good night's sleep last night because you were thinking. And I know many times that I've gone to my bed and my mind just million miles per hour just thinking and connecting things and, and just beginning this. A lot of times it happens towards the end of the month when you know rent's coming up, amen? And you begin to put these things together. You're like, how, how is this going to work? And one of the things that my wife and I constantly say to each other is, it's all going to work out at the end of the day. God will always work it out. God will make sure that we're good. And He's going to make uh, he's, he's going he's to make things work for those 
good for those who love them. Amen. It's a lifestyle of prayer that we need. Is that you can give yourself up to your relationship with God, just indulge in it. You can just indulge in it. There was a song that I listened to by a Spanish Christian artist, and he speaks about the living waters. He says, man, I want to throw myself chest first in the living waters. And I can just picture my mind. I remember seeing those lyrics at first, and I could just, and I sense just the indulgence in there, the fact that, that there's a, a living water, you know, that God can fulfill that, that God's offering this. It's that Samaritan woman, you know, by the well, and God says that if you drink out of the water that I offer, he says that you'll never thirst again. And somewhere she takes the offer. These lyrics that I, that I heard in this song, and somewhere I'm like, listen, that's exactly what I want to do, man. So I want to take a dive, cannonball. You know, just get in there, just get all involved in God. I, I told this to the men many men's discipleships ago. I said, I said, somewhere, listen, the key to overcoming sexual immorality is overdosing on the Word of God and overdosing on the on the on your uh, your relationship with God that you can indulge in it so much that there's no room for anything else. This is exactly what the church needs. It's people who will indulge in their relationship with God. Will cast their anxieties and their worries to the feet of God and say, God, it's over my head, but it is at your feet. See, what the church needs today is not more machinery. It's not more lights. It's not new organizations or more different methods. What they need is men who are full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Men of prayer, men mighty in prayer, women who are prayer warriors that, that you know what, that they'll lay the, the song where they can get on their knees and pray for their husbands and pray for their children, and pray for their churches and pray for their wives and all these different things. That somewhere they can come to Christ and say, God, you know, this is how I feel. This I'm anxious. I'm, I'm worried about these things, but I know that you are smart. And I know that you are in control, that you're not running around trying to figure this out. So I give up to you because you are the God in my life. Amen. It's a lifestyle of prayer. Not just repetitive prayers. Not just spells. With the Potter's house, not the Harry Potter's house. Amen. <laughs> Bible in the city, in our church, will come when you find it in your own life. You can, you know, it's amazing when you can tell somebody else the word of God, but not just out of theology, but out of experience. When you can tell somebody, you know what, listen, God, God can heal some, some of these anxieties, and you just know because God did it for you. Amen. Uh, this is why we love testimonies. And as they get out there, it says, it worked for me, man. Try it. <laughs> Try it and watch what God can do in your life. And it, it goes beyond theology. It goes beyond just just uh, just information that's being passed around is somewhere we understand because we see the testimonies. This is one of the greatest reasons why I became a Christian. Not because I understood everything, but because there was overwhelming testimonies of the power of God in people's lives. The New Testament church were conversions. I was, I was telling my wife, could you imagine walking into the Jerusalem church and seeing Paul at the corner of your eye? You being a Jew? <laughs> I killed my cousin. <laughs> you know, in your mind, you're just like, he's the persecutor. I, I used to see him persecuting all the Christians. It's those types of conversions that somewhere, like, man, if God did it for him, Amen. he can do it for me. 
And, and you think that stuff, you know, you, you see people on stage and you see these testimonies and you see these conversions and somewhere I remember I, I, I begin to see and just in my own ministry, I begin to see other people have success that somewhere I desired. And I remember getting on my knees and say, God, if you can do it for them, you can do it for me. Amen. This comes down to the anxieties of life. Also, God, if you can set some people free. That I know, God, you can do it for me. I know this is a cliche, and many people think this is hard, but it's not. You have to pray every day. Amen. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse sixteen through eighteen says, "Rejoice always." Verse seventeen, pray without ceasing, which means don't stop. And verse eighteen, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. For you. It's a relationship, church. Amen. We are spiritual beings that and we will encounter spiritual issues and spiritual attacks from hell. And the only solution is the involvement of our spiritual and supernatural God. Amen. See, in prayer, you must get at least three things right. One of them is faith that He can hear you. Amen. Do you think that you're just going to throw out some spell and it's just going to work? It doesn't work that way. The faith is in the fact that you're conversating with God or conversing, I think is the word. That you can speak to God, He hears you, and He can speak back. We're Christians, we believe in that, amen? amen. Spirit-filled Christians. Pentecostals, if you will. So we believe that we can cry out to God, and God can hear us and can speak to us. Not only speak back to us, not only give us clarity, but can get involved. Amen. When you guys know that God can get involved in your life. Amen. That this we're not just this isn't just religion. This isn't just making us feel better. We don't we don't just come here to hear a, a feel-good sermon to, to fix our emotions. No, we know that we have a spiritual God that can get involved in our physical needs. Amen. We believe in healing. Amen. We believe that we can lay our hands on people and God's supernatural power can heal them. Amen. We believe that the God of the Bible that we read is still the same God that we serve today. Amen. That we can open our mouths and people can get saved. The drug addict can be completely set free. The marriage can be completely restored. And we believe that God can do these things. Amen. Amen. We have faith in that God can hear us. You have to get that right. The second thing is that you have to have an expectation. Amen. You have to know that the Father wants to bless you. Amen. You have to know that the Father in heaven, our Father, wants good things for our lives. Amen. Listen, it is the universal fact that anything tried in the spirit of confidence, of a confident expectation, has more than a double chance of success. This is true in life. Not only true in, 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 in spirituality, the patients who go to a doctor and has no confidence in the prescribed remedies have far less chance of recovery than the patient who has confidence in their doctor. Amen. Just, this is why placebos work. Is that the word? Placebo? Yeah. Okay. Amen. Um, this is why they work, because somewhere you have some type of confidence and the doctors can kind of trick you, you know. Here's a sugar pill. It'll heal your, your anxieties, you know, <laughs> whatever it is. But somewhere, listen, somebody has confidence. It is a universal fact that if you have confidence, then that, that's gonna, there's a double chance that that's going to work for you. Amen. So not only do you have faith that he can hear you, but you have confidence that he'll answer you. 
Now, it's a whole different sermon that sometimes you might answer no. Amen. That's different, amen? <laughs> I'm not going to preach on that this morning. Somewhere we have an expectation, like Father wants to bless His Son. We trust that God wants to bless our lives. Amen. One, we have faith that He hears us. Two, we have an expectation of the Father. And then three is that it must be out of relationship. That somewhere it needs to be, you just have to understand that God loves you. Yeah. I'll tell you today, listen, God, God, God loves you, and that is, it goes beyond anything that anybody else can can love you. It goes beyond any type of way that somebody can can just. It's not just words. Have you guys ever dated somebody for like a month and already said I love you? Only happened in high school. You got to know the person two weeks later, you text them I love you. It goes beyond that. It goes beyond puppy love. It goes beyond buying you a huge teddy bear. <laughs> it goes beyond the chocolates on Valentine's Day. It goes beyond all these all these different things. The other day I saw a lady um, driving through um, um, through Road 68 and she was by herself and on the passenger side she had a huge teddy bear strapped in with a seatbelt. <laughs> <laughs> It's a sign of love. I understand that. In some ways, it's it's fine. You know, to do what you you know what your what your partner likes. You know what your husband or your wife likes. But it goes beyond all that. It's out of commitment. You guys know that's what love is. It's commitment. Amen. It's not. It's not that if you you do what I tell you, then I'm gonna love you. That's out of commitment. Things change over life. This is why marriage is so important because you make this commitment. It's funny because you make this commitment and you look at her, you look look at her in her eyes, and you love her. You love the way she. She looks at that moment, and then somewhere you begin to think a bunch of change is going to happen. And then next year, all these different things that you can think children, you can think, oh, if you're a Christian, you can think ministry, gray hair. You're just like, oh, this weight, <laughs> food, fellowships. You know, you're like, single. I mean, look at all that food we have over there. But somewhere you say, you know what, I commit myself. Listen, if you commit yourself, I, I, I used to tell this to the guys in Honduras all the time. Christianity is a commitment. Yeah. And I used to tell him with the smallest things. I used to tell him, you need to clean the, the toilet, bro. It's your turn. He's like, well, no. And, uh, and all these excuses and stuff like that. No, listen, Christianity is a commitment. <laughs> <laughs> Commit yourself. You say, you know what, God, I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to do whatever whatever the need is. I'm going to I'm gonna do whatever. I'm going to talk to you every single You know the church is open every single morning at 6.30 for prayer? Some of you guys didn't know that. Some of you guys, that was a shock. What? Every single morning we're here getting a hold of God. You guys know that every before every service we have an hour of prayer. And you guys, some of you guys know all the distractions that try to happen. We have an hour reserved so that we can talk to God before we meet with Him. Somewhere, listen, you have to create this habit right here. I promise you, listen, anxieties and worries, you can leave them on the, on the feet of God. You can leave them at the throne of God, and God will heal you from some of these things. Amen. So you guys, this morning, that's exactly what you need to do. You need to take it to God. You need to say, God, you know what? This is all for my head. I have abs- I can't do anything about this. There's some of the stuff that we worry about many times we can't do anything about. Man. My pastor used to tell my wife all the time, you're, you're creating a hurricane in a water bottle. Yeah. You're thinking about all these different things that, that happen, and that hasn't even happened yet. Yeah. Has ever been there? You think about all that you're worrying about all these things and all oh, this is going to happen and this and all these details and stuff like that and you stop you're like, none of this has happened yet. <laughs> Come on. Stop. Just stop what you're doing and run to God. 
Stop what you're doing. Turn around and run to God. Talk to Jesus. Talk to him. Tell him your issues. Tell him your anxieties. You're confused. Tell him, God, I'm confused. I need some clarity. I don't know what my next step is. God, I don't know what's going to happen. You begin to speak to him. And so listen, God begins to meet with you. Gives you clarity in life and begin to fill you with peace. Begin to fill you with the joy that only he can give you. Amen. Maybe you guys know that only he can do it. Amen. There's a peace and joy in life that if you did not save, you have not experienced it. This is why when people get saved, they don't leave many times. Right? Obviously you have backsliders. Amen. But they're not they're, they will never be a successful sinner ever again. <laughs> but somewhere you get saved, you have a real conversion, you're like, man, I don't want to go. I was telling the, the guy that I was speaking about earlier in the, um, when we first started service, I was speaking to him about um, about this thing. He said, I don't, I don't know if change. So when I said surrender um, and that God can change your life, I said, what does that look like? He said, and he begins to just ask all these valid, awesome questions. I mean, the guy was super open, just just, just talking about it. And, um, and he says, well, I don't think I can change. He's like, I don't like church now. What makes you think that I'm going to like church later? I'm like, you know? But I tell him, well, listen, that's that's how we all start off. And the idea is you come to church, you get saved, and somewhere God begins to work on your desires. Amen. You, you love it. You, you begin to just kind of love this. It's the same thing with finances. You, you tie it, then God blesses you. You're like, hey, this works. So you tie it again, and God blesses you. And somewhere you begin to see this. You're like, man, I want to continue to do this because I can't outgive God. Same thing with your life. You know, it only takes once that you can bow your knee to God and have all your anxieties taken to Him, and then you leave that place peaceful and joyful. You're like, gosh, every time, if that's going to happen, every time I'm going to go to God. Amen. If God's going to hook me up and help me every time, which He does, gives you clarity and He helps you, the somewhere you're like, God, I'm going to continue to do that. Amen. A life of prayer is the solution to anxiety. Christian, a life of prayer is the solution to your worrying. And I get every head bowed and every eye closed. You've just listened to the Potter's House Tri-Cities Podcast located here in Pasco, Washington. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you come back for more.